hour two on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got to find a name for this hour because chaotic hour number two is just everything. College football, NFL. Our guest, Pam Maldonado, she's joining us from Yahoo Sports. She's going to break down the U.S. Open. So we've got tennis, and she's great at college football. We're going to talk college football with her, too. But we've pretty much got all the sports covered here in hour number two of the show. And we're going to start with the PGA. It's the BMW Championship. And John Rahm leading the way on the odds board, plus 220. Rory McIlroy at 5-1, to one, Sam Burns at 12-1. to one. However, those three are tied right now at minus eight. This is a look at the leaderboard after the first round at the BMW Championship in Owings Mills, Maryland. Those three, then Sergio Garcia at seven under, Abraham Anser and Patrick Cantlay at six under par. Those three, the the most value, Ben, really is sitting on Patrick Cantlay, who at six under is at 12 to one, which is the third best odds on the board on FanDuel Sportsbook. Still a very long way to go this week, but a couple of the names that you see there, John Rahm included, was plus 650 as the law as the very short favorite to win this tournament at the BMW Championship, the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs on the PGA Tour. Plus 650 was by far the shortest number you saw on the futures outright board. The next closest was Justin Thomas at 18 to 1. So you had plus 650 on John Rahm, everybody else at plus 1800 or higher. That is how good John Rahm is playing right now. The level of golf he is at is really unmatched at this moment. But Rory McIlroy was a name that we had early on this week with our guy Dubsy Anderson highlighting and saying, this is a guy to look out for. He also gave you Patrick Cantlay. You also see another guy there in Sergio Garcia that our guy Cam Rogers loved in a prop bet against John Rahm with huge plus money value. Sergio Garcia is playing lights out right now. The only issue is John Rahm has been slightly better up until this moment. They get underway at round two at the BMW Championship today. All these things to monitor. But when you're seeing guys at eight under, nine under, after the opening round, they are lighting up this golf course, and there will be plenty of birdie opportunities throughout this next week. This is what has been the handicap that our golf experts have brought onto this show, that in these smaller compacted fields, where we are here at this stage of the FedEx Cup playoffs, you have to go low. It is a birdie course meant to highlight the best in the world. They are taking advantage currently in John Rahm at the top of the leaderboard. 15th time in 17 rounds, dating back to the Sunday of the PGA Championship, where John Rahm has shot in the 60s. He's just playing unbelievable golf right now. U.S. Open champ, world number one. Now, someone who's trying to keep their way up there at the top is Roy McIlroy. The McIlroy story absolutely kills me this whole um this whole story with the three wood and how earlier in the week when it was last weekend and he throws the three wood over the fence and the at liberty national and then he has to go home and he gets a new three wood and it's this like old one out of his garage now all of a sudden he's like hitting shots with this thing i mean yesterday he hits a 285 yard shot up the hill and over a bunker which set up an eagle putt moving him into a share of the lead with this three wood from his garage ben I mean, this is what Rory does. Rory had very long odds to win this week, more than 20 to 1, and now the second shortest odds on FanDuel currently at 5 to 1, showing what a good performance from Rory McIlroy will do to the odds boards when he is playing at his absolute best. And playing at his absolute best might even mean an old three-wood. Rory's quote about it as we get to our Sports Grid Radio audience here welcoming them in to the second hour of the morning after. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast, talking about the second 
second round of the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs of the PGA Tour, the BMW Championship. And although Roy McIlroy discarded his three-wood last week, said, if you want to come pick it up, it's on the New Jersey Turnpike, I might have had to take a trip out there. I'm playing golf Sunday. I could use a new three-wood, especially with the specs <laughs> that Roy McIlroy has. But he is playing some really good golf right now. Rory in these environments when he can rise to the occasion. If the putter works for Roy McIlroy, he is the best player in the world. He can go up with John Rahm right now, who is the hottest player in the world. So it doesn't matter what three wood Rory has. He's playing lights out golf at the moment. Five to one on FanDuel currently to win the BMW championship. Golf live betting is interesting. It doesn't move quite as much as you might see in other sports like hockey or baseball or even football. But it is something to monitor throughout a weekend because as you have guys, especially these big name guys at the top of the leaderboard, start to pull away from the rest of the field or start to add strokes to their advantage, you will see these odds get shorter and shorter. I don't think there has ever been value on John Rahm in this market. At plus 650, before the tournament even got underway, no value there. I still don't think there's value on John Rahm at plus 280 currently on FanDuel to win the BMW Championship. Rory presents a little bit more at plus 500. A name that Ariel pointed out, Patrick Cantlay, who is one of the best iron players on tour, that is a name to look out for, I think, as we get into this weekend. Monitor the leaderboard, especially if it's compacted with some of the best players in the world, and find your spots for value as you get into moving day on Saturday and the final round on Sunday of the BMW Championship. As you mentioned, a lot of time last week, John Rahm goes into the final round with a two-shot lead, and he blows it on the back nine. Who knows, obviously, in golf, but for the way Roy McIlroy is playing, he hasn't shot this low in a round since a year ago almost. It was He shot a 64 at the Tour Championship last year. Roy playing well, and I just based on the value from Patrick Cantlay having the third best odds, yet on that leaderboard, he's down there with the third the third uh, lowest score at minus six. So I see the value there with Cantley just based on the numbers more so than just knowing how well these guys play into the weekend. John Rahm, you're right. Just not a lot of value there. Plus 220 on FanDuel. The BMW Championship underway. Keep an eye on the odds board for how all those odds move. Of course, the leader is not going to play until a little bit later. Coming up next, we're going to talk college football, and we've got some more Week Zero previews ahead, so stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. In case you miss anything from the show, you can go to our Twitter account, Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. You get all the latest info and game analysis, best bets of the day. Just go to Sports Grid. SportsGrid TV all over Twitter. Now we're going to talk some week zero for college football. Ben, I'm sure the mice might have gotten into your hat drawer, but if you do have it, your Big Ten Ben hat, got to put it on because we're going to talk some Nebraska and Illinois. Nebraska now laying seven and a half points against Illinois. The total at 54 and a half on FanDuel. 12 and 20 under the Nebraska head coach Scott Frost in his last in his first three years. Ben. 
how much could you see Nebraska covering this seven and a half line that just moved in their favor overnight? Ariel, you have to excuse me. I'm uh, slightly emotional right now thinking about the fact that we are handicapping college football for week zero here on the morning after. And the first game we are discussing is a Big Ten football game between the Nebraska Cornhuskers <laughs> and the Illinois Fighting Illini. It has been a long stretch. It has been a long stretch. But college football made it. is back. Memorial Stadium in Champaign tomorrow to kick things off. A Big Ten tilt. I cannot wait. Let's get into this game right now. You mentioned the seven and a half. The juice for a spread is very interesting here because it just moved back to seven and a half where the line opened about an hour ago this morning. And if you want to take Nebraska laying the seven and a half, it is plus 106. Oh, yeah. Give me the plus money. Here's why I say that. It is year number four of Scott Frost. You detailed that he is 12 and 20. The grace period of bringing back the prodigal son who led the Huskers to their last national championship back in 1997 has worn off. Scott Frost needs to win this year. The team win total for the Huskers is six. They need to get that, if not over, which has the juice right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, if Scott Frost wants year number five at the helm of this Husker football program. So let's break down this game. It's year number one, a rebuild under Brett Bielema for the Illinois Fighting Illini. I not only believe that Nebraska needs to win, they need to win convincingly. They need to win by double digits. So they need to cover this spread. How will they do that? Well, the offense, frankly, needs to be better. It is what Scott Frost is known for as a bright offensive mind, as a young coach in college football. He brought in an offensive coordinator, Matt Lubick, last year to help him do that. Nebraska was 12th out of 14 teams in scoring offense last year in the Big Ten Conference. That will not cut it. But here's the bright side. They were fourth in total offense, so they just were not converting in the red zone. Adrian Martinez is the linchpin for this Nebraska offense and how they want to run the sped, the speed and space that they have for this Nebraska style. Adrian Martinez was fantastic in his first year back in 2018 as a freshman for the Nebraska football program. You look at some of his stats from 2018. 2,617 passing yards, 17 pass TDs, only eight interceptions. Also outstanding using his legs and versatility as well. More than 600 rushing yards in eight rushing touchdowns that freshman campaign but it has gone down year by year now leading into 2021 a bright spot in 2020 his completion percentage was way up at more than 70 percent Adrian Martinez the downfield passing game for Nebraska and a guy named Omar Manning on the outside are going to be the key for Nebraska if they are going to be better than 12th in the Big Ten in scoring offense. That needs to start tomorrow. The offense needs to be good, and Nebraska needs to win this game by double digits to have some reassuring feeling for the Huskers moving forward in this college football season. So give me Nebraska, lay the points, take the plus money. Nebraska minus seven and a half. How much does it worry you that Nebraska last year was three and five straight up in games that they were favored in? It doesn't necessarily because this is a different Nebraska team. I truly believe that, and I think Adrian Martinez takes that step. The Nebraska defense was a lot better last year under Eric Shenander. Ten returning starters now back, and two guys in the secondary you must keep an eye on. Deontay Williams as the safety, and Cam Taylor-Britt, one of the best cornerbacks you will see in the Big Ten Conference, maybe even across the college football landscape. So I think they can keep this game and slow down Illinois offensively. Brandon Peters back for Brett Bielema. That will be a huge thing for this Illinois offense. And that offensive line for Illinois, though, losing a couple of big players from last year. So that will be something to keep an eye on. Kendrick Green, one of their best offensive linemen, 
was a draft pick in the 2021 NFL draft. I think Nebraska can limit Illinois scoring offensively. And again, it all comes down to that offense for the Huskers. 12th in scoring offense, 4th in total offense. The yards need to be converted into points this year. We'll move into the next game, Hawaii and UCLA. UCLA laying 17.5 points, 68.5 is the total. It's a concern because Hawaii uh, is 3-9 and nine against the spread since 2014 in road non-conference games. The head coach, Chip Kelly, is 0-6 straight up, 1-5 against the spread in non-conference games for UCLA, 0-4 straight up in ATS versus group of five opponents. Neither of the trends are working in their favors, Ben. Who's the trend that you're going to fade saying that they're going to defy the odds? Well, I think one of these things that when you look at Hawaii right now with a big 17 and a half point spread, and when you talk about the Rainbow Warriors going over from the island to the mainland is normally a concern when it comes to travel. They have been there. This is the week zero opener. That is not a concern for me here. Really where I look at this game, and it might be surprising based on a few of the things I'm about to say, is I look at the total. It is big, 68 and a half. Under Todd Graham, the head coach of Hawaii, that defense has looked stellar. Todd Graham is known for his defensive schemes at the collegiate level. I think they can limit a little bit of the scoring to keep this game tight. So by that logic, I lean to Hawaii covering, and I would lean slightly to the under of 68 and a half. I'm not saying this is going to be a low-scoring game, but if it's 35-21, Hawaii covers and the under hits. That might be where I look because under Chip Kelly, the UCLA Bruins are not lacking in offense. When you look at their stats from 2020 in the Pac-12, second in scoring offense at more than 35 points per game, second in total offense at 455 yards per game, second in rushing offense at more than 230 yards per game. They have a two-headed monster in that backfield now, Britton Brown and Zach Charbonnet, the transfer from Michigan. And it all stems from Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR as he is known in Westwood, to lead this UCLA offense under Chip Kelly. On the other side of the ball, UCLA's defense is truly the question mark. The second worst passing offense, or defense rather, in the uh, Pac-12 this past year. And Hawaii's offense can be dangerous. Their quarterback, Shevin Cordero, is a stud. He can sling it all around the yard, and he uses his legs very effectively to create plays, extend plays, and allow Hawaii to use some of their wide receivers on the outside. And they have one of the better receiving cores in all of the Mountain West. Hawaii has been a darling pick. You have heard mid-major Matt on this show say at 11-1 to 1 to win the Mountain West West Division, they have value. Their team win total of six, the over juice to minus 120 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. He likes the over as well. If I'm looking for a lean in this game, I don't have quite the conviction of a Nebraska minus 7.5. I would look to the under the 68.5. I think it goes under between Hawaii and UCLA. Last game, UConn-Fresno State. Fresno State laying 27.5, the total 62.5. First ever meeting. First time we're seeing UConn in almost two years. They didn't play last year because of COVID. Um, it's the first game for UConn as an independent also since 2003. The stats are in Fresno State's favor. They're 3-1-2 against the spread since 2015 in home openers. Fresno State also 9-4-1 against the spread against non-conference opponents. Ben, how much do you see UConn struggling going into their first game after the COVID break? 
Listen, UConn is always going to struggle. UConn is not a great football program as it is. So the COVID year off, sure, but I don't really think UConn presents much of a challenge this year in an independent schedule now where they're playing teams from all over the FBS. It is going to be tough sledding for Randy Edsel and the Huskies. So this handicap is all about Fresno State. Look out for Jake Hayner, the Washington transfer quarterback who led the Mountain West last year in passing yards at 337 passing yards per game. That was fourth most in all of NCAA football. So Jake Hayner is going to be good for Fresno State. They are going to air the ball all over the yard against this UConn Huskies team. I'm not sure if it will be posted, but if they give you a Fresno State team total somewhere in the ballpark of the low 30s, 35, take the over. That's how I would approach this game, looking for Fresno State to put up a whole bunch of points, the second best scoring offense in the Mountain West from a year ago. We're going to make the switch to the NFL. Coming up next, not only are we going to talk NFL preseason, we're going to hear from you, the fans. So we're going to debut a new segment coming up in our next segment. You're listening here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We are debuting a new segment. It's perfect timing because it's football season. Not only do we want to give you our take on things, we want to hear from you, the fans. So here's our segment. It's starring Ben Stevens himself, Benny, Benny and the Jets. <laughs> When people come to New York, they want to be a star. And that's the case for rookie quarterbacks as well. The New York Jets have a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. Today we hit the streets of New York City to find out how people feel about Zach Wilson, the New York Jets, and the rest of the AFC East. How do you feel about the New York Jets? They're cool. Do you know Zach Wilson? No. Zach Wilson, you got to stay steady. Don't try and be top notch. I know New York is a big city, you know, big lights, but do your job. What are your thoughts on the New York Jets? Uh, I think they're terrible. Also in the AFC East, the New York Jets. Their team win total is six. Do you think they go over or under? Under. New York Jets, you are in New York right now. It's over, over, over. It's at six, though. I think they could do it. I think they could do it. Jets have a team win total of six. Would you take the over or the under? Over. The New York Jets have a team win total of six. Do you think they go over or under? Over. Why is that? It's a guess. What do you think is a better bet? $100 at this hot dog stand or $100 on the Jets to go over their team win total of six? The hot dog stand is pretty good, so I'm going to go with the hot dog stand. <laughs> if I gave you $100 to put on the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl or the New York Jets to win six games, what do you think is a better bet? New York Jets winning six games. The Buffalo Bills. Team win total of 11. Do you think they go over or under? Buffalo, under. Buffalo Bills, team win total of 11. 
over or under? Under. Buffalo Bills have a team win total of 11. Do you think they go over or under that number? I think under. The Buffalo Bills are the favorites to win the division this year. Do you like Buffalo? Eh, they're good. I think Buffalo should be the favorite. Absolutely. Josh Allen is a generational arm talent, and he's run for more touchdowns than Ezekiel Elliott the past couple of years. They're one of the favorites to win the AFC, just behind Kansas City. Do you think Buffalo can do that? I believe they're going to have to have the, the, the season of their dreams. The New England Patriots, team win total of nine, over, under. Over. New England Patriots, team win total of nine, over, over, under. over. Nine wins. Do you think they go over or under? They go right at nine. The New England Patriots, team win total of nine, over or under? Over. Miami Dolphins, team win total, nine and a half, over or under? Over. Miami Dolphins, team win total, nine and a half, over or under? Under. Miami Dolphins, team win total, nine and a half, over, under? Don't like Miami. I don't think they're going anywhere. So? Under. Benny! 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 And the Bats! I absolutely love this! Great job! Job well done! Ben, what was the best part about shooting this? I think catching passes from people out in the streets of New York, we'd hand it off, we'd run a little route, we'd get a little hot, hot hike, go out there, throw out some dimes. We're having a good time all around the people with Times Square. It was a ton of fun. A lot of people pretty high on Zach Wilson from the people that I talked to. And Zach Wilson, Ariel, in action tonight in preseason football week number three. Let's get into it. There also was, I have to say, the guy who said that he'd rather take the $100 on a hot dog stand than Zach Wilson. That guy was awesome. But you're right. We do have that game with the Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Jets are laying five points. And to be honest, I do like the Jets in this last preseason game. The Jets have not lost and have not won a game by more or excuse me by less than five points they've won both of their preseason games all by at least five points the last one was week one that was against the giants they ended up winning 12-7 which is five then last week against the packers 23-14 the common factor there was no starters in either of those games. The Giants didn't play their quarterback, Daniel Jones. The Packers didn't play their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And now you're going to get the Eagles, who I would wait on this bet. If you hear that there's no Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia again, then I would definitely go and take the Jets, Ben. And there have been some rumblings early this morning out of Philadelphia that Nick Sirianni, the head coach for the Eagles, is most likely going to sit most, if not all, of his starters for this game against the Jets. And we have seen line movement early this morning, Ariel, from five now to five and a half. It was at four yesterday. The Jets is a bet that I love tonight. I actually love three of the four games that we have tonight, but the Jets being one of them, certainly. And Robert Salah has said that Zach Wilson will most likely play a good majority of that first half. And when you look at Zach Wilson this preseason, especially in that week two game against the Green Bay Packers, but overall this preseason, 15 of 20, 191 yards, two touchdown passes for the rookie out of BYU. That's why his odds to win Offensive Rookie of the Year have gotten shorter by the week. Now plus 650, the third shortest to win that award on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So we have Zach Wilson continuing to develop, continuing to become familiar with his weapons on the outside, his offensive line up front, and an Eagles team that has been bad 
downright bad in the preseason. Only 16 points in week number one against the Steelers. Shut out by the Patriots last week in a game that they looked terrible. And now you don't get any of those starters again. I like the Jets. Although the line has moved and you've missed your best number, I still think the Jets can cover a five and a half point spread. Jets haven't allowed more than 14 points to an opponent, allowed seven to the Giants, 14 last week to Green Bay. Ben, what's another bet that you're looking at, Mr. Preseason, Ben? I'm looking at the Chiefs game tonight, and oddly enough, Andy Reid, the head coach of Kansas City, has said that he expects the starters in Kansas City to play most of the first half. That means Patrick Mahomes. That might mean Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They might go with a bunch of their starters as they try to get Patrick more familiar with a completely reassembled offensive line. So that is interesting to see in this week three game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike Zimmer has also said he expects to see his starters a lot more in this game, but it's been a very bad preseason for the Minnesota Vikings. When you look at their totals that they have put up, they had 31 players out in week number one. They only put up six points. They were not great even in week number two as well. They are 0-2 so far this preseason. Meanwhile, the Chiefs 2-0, and Patrick Mahomes hasn't even been the reason. The three backup quarterbacks for the Kansas City Chiefs have been great. Chad Henney, Henney given Friday tonight, Anthony Gordon, a guy out of Washington State, and then Shane Buchel, a rookie quarterback out of SMU, have all played pretty well. Combined, they threw for 317 passing yards and two touchdowns last week against the Arizona Cardinals. So even if the Vikings play their starters a little bit more, the Chiefs are also going to answer with their starters out there. And I think the reserves for Kansas City are better. So I'm going to say Chiefs minus four, also one of my favorite bets for this Friday night slate. I'm laying points, too. I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens, minus three and a half against the Washington football team. How do I not continue to back this trend at 19 19 straight uh, preseason wins in addition to 17-1-1 against the spread? The Ravens have looked good in this preseason, especially with their backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, who's trying to win that backup role. Trace McSorley not going to play the rest of the preseason due to a back injury. Washington's 1-1 this preseason. They lost 23-13 at New England. They won 17-13 against the Bengals with no Joe Burrow. Ryan Fitzpatrick for Washington, 7 of 13, 96 yards, no touchdowns. It's not good. Taylor Heineke, 11 of 13 for 80 yards, zero touchdowns. This is all last week. It was Washington's running back, Jared Patterson, that had the sole touchdown for this team, and he ended up with uh, 16 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. The Ravens have not really allowed that many game, uh, that many rushing yards. In fact, they limited Carolina to just 189 total yards last week. When it came to rushing yards allowed, 94 week one of the preseason, 33 last year. That's their first two preseason games. The Ravens are known for stopping the run they're known for strong defense they have a lot of depth they just traded away a cornerback yesterday to the new england patriots the ravens i'm gonna say laying the three and a half because just follow it when it's hot ben i like it how can you bet against the ravens certainly don't do that when they're playing the carolina panthers in week two and you yourself are in the city of baltimore don't do that i learned my lesson last week one of my favorite bets for the rest of the weekend comes tomorrow night it's the under of the game between the chargers and the seahawks the total is 35 and a half I love the under in this spot. First off, let's start with L.A. We know they are not playing their starters at all throughout this preseason. First-year head coach Brandon Staley has said, we're not going to see Justin Herbert. We're not going to see guys like Keenan Allen. We're not going to see those people.
Bowl for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, Pete Carroll has said we can expect to see some of the starters for Seattle, but I don't imagine it's going to be that long. And first off, when you look at the total, the unders have prevailed in a big way this preseason. 23-9 and are the unders so far. The average score in week number one, 31.8 points per game across 16 games. In week number two across 16 games, 34.8 points per game. Both of those average under this total of 35 and a half. Look at what these two teams have put up in the first two weeks of the preseason. We talk about what the Seahawks have done. 10 total points, seven in week one, three last week in week number two. The Chargers, 23 points total, 13 week one, 10 last week against the San Francisco 49ers. If you added up the totals from both weeks, from both teams, it would still be under because it's only 33 points. I don't think we're going to see a lot of scoring in this week number three finale in the preseason between the Seahawks and the Chargers. I love the under of the 35 and a half. The only other bet that I would be willing to make this weekend, I'm going to keep an eye on FanDuel because the odds aren't up yet. However, for the Chicago Bears who are up against the Tennessee Titans, the Titans have been dealing with COVID all week. They're not going to have their starters. Now, granted, they may not have played them anyway. It's more about the team just having to deal with the off-the-field issues, dealing with all the COVID testing, dealing with the COVID scares. The, Bar the Bears are going to be playing Justin Fields. It's probably the last time we see him until Andy Dalton messes it all up. So I'm going to say that the Chicago Bears, whatever the spread is, I'll probably take the Chicago Bears. Ben, we do have Pam Maldonado coming up next. Not only is she great at capping football, especially college football, she's also great at the at capping tennis. And we're going to talk U.S. Open. It's here in New York. And we're going to see Novak Djokovic try to do something that's only been done by two other tennis players on the men's side. Stay right here on The Grid. Pam Maldonado of Yahoo Sports coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Yahoo Sports, Pam Maldonado. And she's waking up extra early with us today because she's out there in Viva Las Vegas. Pam, thanks for coming on with us. Mm -hmm. oh, thanks for having me. How is it out there, by the way? How's Vegas treating you? Well, I just landed uh, last night around midnight. I'm on five hours of sleep, and it's 7.40 in the morning. So Vegas is great because it's quiet. <laughs> it's alive and well. I'm glad to hear it. Okay, we're going to start with tennis because that is what you are the best at in this industry. I mean, I listen to Pam for everything tennis-related, and we have the U.S. Open coming up. I mean, it's here, but, I mean, the big guns, Novak Djokovic, he's going for that grand slam, something that's only been done by two other men before. Pam, how much now that Federer's at? Out. Nadal's out. How easy is this path for Djokovic? It's not entirely easy for him. There's a couple of question marks that we have related to Djokovic, and one of the questions is, where is his game right now? We haven't seen him play since his Olympic semifinal loss to Alexander Zverev. He lost that match 6-1, 3-6, 1-6. He kind of got a whooping there. 
He had 56% of his first serve points won. He did not have himself a great match, and we haven't seen him since. This is not unlike him to not play any of the preliminary U.S. Open events. So out of everyone who's in the field right now, he is the one who has least reps coming into this. Better, it doesn't matter. He's, he was kind of, he's kind of father time catching up to him. Nadal, he was the one that I am disappointed with not seeing. If anybody was, if I was high on anybody to uh, upset Djokovic, it would have been Nadal. So now with him out, he has he does have a good path, but it's still not an easy path considering that he hasn't been playing. Pam, right now when you look at the U.S. Open outrights, <laughs> Novak Djokovic is minus 150 to win the tournament. Do you think, even though it's a minus money price, that is good value on Novak? Absolutely not. There's times when I absolutely want to hammer on Djokovic. And early in the season, Australian Open, it's one of my favorite tournaments to play because players are coming into this fresh. They're coming into this relaxed. They're coming into this with, um, with no injuries. Now at the U.S. Open, it's one of the worst tournaments to bet because it's the end of the season. Injuries are piling up. Like I said, we haven't seen Djokovic play in a while. Minus 150, there's a few factors that can come into this tournament aside from just his form. You want to also look at players who, um, this weather in New York, you all live in New York, you understand that it is hot, it is humid. There's cramping could become an issue. Night matches, the U.S. Open loves to play night matches. That neutralizes big servers and big hitters, so you want to look at good baseliners in return. That is Djokovic, but we don't know where his endurance is right now. Not that I'm ever going to question Djokovic's endurance, but we just haven't seen him play. And then COVID. COVID is the, we're still in a pandemic. He is very outspoken about when being a player that doesn't want to get vaccinated. We don't know if he is. If, it, if there was an unknown situation that could arise, what if he tests positive and he can't play? And we all saw what happened at last year's U.S. Open where he got a little <laughs> bit upset. He <laughs> chucked a line judge in the middle of the throat. That's still kind of lingering too. So how is he mentally going to bounce back from that? I think the price is mi at minus 150 with all of the factors that are coming in. I wouldn't necessarily do it pre. You could do a money line rollover parlay. Um, maybe take a shot at some of the longer shots. With that said, Pam, who does have value on the board? There's a few players out there, actually. Medvedev at plus 350. I think that is a good grab. He's been here before. We have been in this situation before, though, where we think, okay, if we see a Djokovic-Medvedev in the final, then Medvedev has a shot. We saw this at the Australian Open, and Djokovic won in straight sets in pretty comfortably. Novak is 5-3 and three in head-to-head -head matchup, but if he can... Medvedev is also a player that he does have cramping issues. He lost in Miami, he lost in the Olympics, and he lost in Cincinnati. And why? The humidity. But he is a good backboard. He outlasts opponents, and that's he's 6'6". He's a taller version of Djokovic. So if he can get through the weather situation, his draw lines up pretty comfortably where he should be making it into the final if the humidity wasn't such an issue. Another player that I really do like, if you want a long shot, and it's plus 8,000 odds. One of my favorite players that I like coming into this tournament is Hubert Hurkacz. He has two hardcourt titles this season. He did win Miami, which is hardcourt, beating three of the top 10 players in Denis Shapovalov, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Andre Rublev, plus Roundage and Sinner. That is a fantastic resume. He lost the semifinal at Wimbledon to Berrettini in four sets. And what I love about Hurkacz's game 
is that he's he's playing exactly like Federer does, um, or he's showing glimpses of the ability to play like Federer, I should say, where he has that slice game and he's using it that slice as an offensive weapon rather than a defense. His return does need to improve a little bit, but he's he's right at the he's right at the cup of like he's going to make that next step in his career. The potential of the U.S. Open, if the draw opens up nice to him, he could hit. The, we could get a shot with him, and we are going to see her catch face Djokovic potentially in the quarterfinal. So I'm really interested in seeing that matchup. Eighty to one. I absolutely love that value for the U.S. Open. Pam, on the women's side, we got some news earlier this week. Both Serena and Venus Williams will not be a part of the field. The favorite right now on FanDuel is Ashley Barty. Who do you think has the value on the women's side of the U.S. Open? Ash Barty. I have been betting her all year long. I don't bet women's tennis, but I am betting Ash Barty because you have to look at the players. Um, if you look at the women that are on the field, what did Ash Barty do at the beginning of the year? She said in January that she was making the commitment of leaving her home country of Australia for one full year to focus on the tour because of all, because of all the COVID restrictions that are happening in Australia. She had to leave her friends, her family. She hasn't gone back since. And what has she done? She was out for an entire 11 months in 2020, and she came back, five tour titles, four tour titles. She has five tour finals including four tour titles this year, including winning Wimbledon. If there is any woman who is more poised to win another major, it's going to be Ash Barty. And I love her game. I love, love, love her game. Barty is one of the few women who has variety. She slices. She brings you forward to back. She brings you side to side. There's a lot in her game that most women don't have. She has a variety of weapons. Whereas most, uh, a few other women, they just kind of have the baseline game. Ash Barty, she brings it all, and that's why she is hard to beat. Ash Barty has the best value for the women's side. Even though she's the favorite, Pam still sees value. We're here with Yahoo Sports' Pam Maldonado. Switching over to college football, it is week zero. Where do you see value on the college football board for this weekend, Pam? Oh, man, I hate to say it because I haven't seen everybody on it, but I would go with Illinois at plus seven the home dog, and I would even put plus 230 on the money line. And the reason for that is because you're looking at stability and strength. Last year, both of these teams were bought, were top 30 in the run game. Well, you have to look at the run game then. They were both bottom 20 in passing yards. They were both top 30 in running. So if they have just one strength, then examine their strength. Nebraska, they will, their top running back, their top leading rusher is their quarterback. He's the only one that's returning. And behind him, they don't have anybody else. Their second, their third, and their fourth best rushers was a backup quarterback, a wide receiver, and another player. All three have transferred out. So now who does Nebraska have? And then you have Scott Frost as a head coach who does one thing absolutely fantastically well, and that is lose. He has three straight losing seasons, and Indiana does at least have their running back court returning intact. Their top two running backs, they both have um, it's Brown and Epstein. Two running backs who had at least 100 rushing yards or more in two games last year. One of those games was against Nebraska, and they do have a new coach. But you compare anybody to Scott Frost, and I'll take the other guy. <laughs> wow, Pam, coming out firing. We are on different sides for this game between Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Hey, listen, Scott Frost has kind of earned a little bit of this right now, at least the skepticism of how he can perform. Last year, the Huskers were a 15-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Illinois, and it was one of Illinois' two wins last year in the Big Ten football season. Mm -hmm. Pam, you are a Texas Longhorn. Their team win total on FanDuel right now is at 7-and-a-half. 
the over has very heavy juice at minus 165. Do you agree with the price? Will Texas go over that team win total of seven and a half this year? How can anybody put that big of a number on so many unknowns? New coach, new coaching staff, new quarterback, new running backs. We have new everything. So everybody is just gambling at this point. There's a thing called a good bet and a gamble, and I think that's a gamble, even as a Longhorn. Oh, man, even as a Longhorn, she's not high on them. But I understand. Then <laughs> I always talk about hedging your happiness. You definitely don't want to double up on making yourself miserable if you bet overs. Pam, exactly. when it comes to uh, any... When it comes to any other futures bets in college football, what are some other futures, whether it's the college football playoffs, whether it's the college football champion, or even just the win total, what would you say is your favorite future right now? I think Clemson to win the national title is a good grab. They're the second favorites right now behind Alabama. And I think everybody is super high on Georgia in week one. I'm not. When you look at the teams that Georgia played last season, they won, what, four games straight in a row? But who did they play against? Bottom 10, bottom 20, 25 teams. And then when they finally had competition, JT Daniels, he didn't really perform very well against Cincinnati Bearcats against a good defense. Um, against a good defense, against a good pass rush. And what does Clemson have? That They had the fifth best pass rush last season, and they're entering this year with all of their unit intact. They're probably going to be a top They're I wouldn't doubt it. Clemson is the number one pass rushing attack this year. And so I expect Clemson to get through that game. And then you write them all as easy of a schedule as Clemson tends to have. I would expect them definitely to make the playoffs. And I think they have a definite shot at anybody in the playoffs when you get there. I think they have good value. Pam, I asked you about Texas. Now, forgive me, I have to ask you about Oklahoma. They open up the year as the number two ranked team in the AP preseason top 25, the fifth shortest odds to win the national championship. The Sooners, the favorites to win the Big 12 once again. What do you think Lincoln Riley and crew are capable of this season? I think you have to ask yourself, this is the first season where we haven't, uh, the, rightfully so, Oklahoma, as a Longhorn, I'm saying it, Oklahoma is the the favorites for they have most of everyone on their team is making a return they have the experience they have the depth um my question is that defense i don't know people are high on them to win the national championship are you watching games that are watching because they have one of the worst secondaries in all of college football and every time they get to the playoff they are exploited because of that secondary and if you look at the returning players on the secondary this year it's not going to be much improved. Last year, they were bottom 30 in passing defense, and they didn't, they're didn't. they not returning anybody that can make a difference in that unit. So in the big ball, they may shine, but you actually put them up against an SEC team or better, at Clemson even, and I'm not going to like their chances. I think they can win the Big 12. I definitely don't like them to win the national championship. Pam Maldonado of Yahoo Sports, thank you so much for waking up early with us this morning. I know you're out there in Vegas, and good luck to all the contests you're entering. Thanks, guys. Coming up next, Ben and I are going to close out our number two with our buy or sell segment. We're going to continue the conversation on, I think, football. But, Ben, when it comes to college football, you and Pam are on opposite sides here. I don't know who I'm going to bet for week zero in this Nebraska and Illinois game. Listen, when it comes to tennis, I think you can trust Pam Maldonado and you can trust her expertise in college football as well. What she had to say about Nebraska and the fact they were a top 20 or top 30 rushing offense last year was very fair. But the passing offense wasn't great. But the passing offense needs to be better. I think it will be against Illinois, who was one of the worst secondaries in the Big Ten last season. 
All right, opposite sides. I love it. Coming up next, we are going to close out hour number two of our show. We've got a whole nother hour ahead, though, so stay right here on The Grid, Sirius XM. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. out hour two on the morning after on sports grid we're on sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein let's get now to our segment buy or sell it is week zero of college football and that means we have very large point spreads to look at ben are you buying or selling laying the points over taking them I would buy laying the points early on in the college football season, both for this week zero slate and also week one when you look at a good majority of the games. Obviously, this is not going to be the case for every single contest you look at. In fact, Hawaii, UCLA, I would say take the points with the Rainbow Warriors. But for the most part, you see these very big spreads and you look at it optically and you're like, I can't, 27 and a half on Fresno State? I don't care if they're that much better than UConn. 27 and a half, that means they have to win by four touchdowns. That's just too much. Where there is the potential to do that when the numbers are so high in college football. Always compare it to the total. If it's up there in the ballpark of a 65, 68, that means there is expected a ton of points and that is going to be driven by the favorite for the most part. So when you see these big spreads, it's different than the NFL. I would say lay the points for the good majority, but if you don't have a strong conviction, it's better to stay away, and that's where you can look at the totals. The time we are laying the points, first and foremost, the first game of the college football season, the Big Ten opener, Nebraska minus 7.5. Okay, buying, laying the points instead of taking them. I like it, Ben. You're taking a shot on a lot of these favorites. And listen, it's early in the year. We're seeing certain teams that either haven't played at all last season or they're teams that barely played last season. Ben, how much is that going to factor into your handicap, the experience from last year for teams that maybe did play a lot versus them playing teams that may not have played a lot? I don't know how much it affects these teams currently right now, but in your handicapping, as you look to break down the metrics, look at teams that played seven or eight games so you have a larger sample size if there's something you think you have an edge there. If they played four games, you don't have much of an edge. So that's where I think it affects your handicapping the most. That was the key number I was looking at, too. Seven or eight games makes me feel confident in these teams from last year. But coming up next, we have hour three of our show. We have to sign off on MSG. Tune into sportsgrid.com. Find out which platform works for you. We're on SiriusXM, channel 204. Hour